0: you. <laughs>
1: Welcome everyone, episode 108 of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross with Rich Greenfield and Walter Pisick. Happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. The big debate coming into this weekend's podcast was whether we were going to use this or Highway to the Danger Zone. Um, as uh, the intro music, I think "Highway to the Danger Zone" would have been the the more fun choice, but Rich got his way in this instance. Anyway, um, before we get started, um, uh, you know, this podcast is about debating the TMT industry and trying to have fun doing it and we certainly do have that fun every week um, but for the second time and I I guess exactly a year after the last time we started this way um, I just wanted to talk about some things that are a bit of a reminder of how relatively small all of these discussions and debates um, really are and all of us were kind of rocked by what happened in Texas earlier this week and then yesterday exactly a year after my brother's passing um, we spent the afternoon at at the funeral of our client and more importantly our friend Jack Moy and um, I don't know I obviously many of you know Jackson um, and many of you don't but Jackson was really the friend you wanted um, in life. He was unassuming and humble, um, but impossibly smart. And he let you know that um, with that biting sense of humor of his, um, especially at the most unexpected times. And I don't know, more importantly, um, Jack was someone who was there for his family and, For others in their darkest times, um, even as he clearly battled um, his own demons, I think mostly in silence. Um, We can debate things like gun control and stuff like that if you want to talk about Texas. um, But that's not obviously what we're here for. I think, while the one thing that really ties everything together here um, is is, you know, the, the real problem of mental illness.
2: Yeah, it is It is a major problem. It, it is an illness. It's like people don't like to talk about it, but it's, you know, it's kind of a common thread. And obviously people are hurting for a variety of reasons. And COVID did not make that easier in any respect. So I think it's like important, a quick reminder, like if you're feeling, if anyone's feeling, you know, some type of pain, you got to speak out, seek help. There's good, in some cases, medications that help these things. And it's just, it needs to be an issue. I think just more broadly addressed in the open as opposed to, um, not in the open.
1: Yeah. So hate to be kind of, you know, mm-hmm. instructive here, but, um, we, it sounds trite, but we need to be there for each other. and. um and look out for people the way um, Jack and my brother really did um, for all of us. And with that said, um, let's talk about Top Gun, because uh, I, I didn't can't believe get, you
3: didn't come. I can't I believe didn't, you didn't I come. come. I it, can't believe you didn't it, come. because right. and the, hold on, stop. I'm, t- I'm cutting you off now. The reason the music starts that way is because I sat there in the dark theater and that soundtrack starts playing. And the minute that sound starts like the on the aircraft carrier, I got excited. Like I was that second, just the music playing before the movie even like started. Just that soundtrack got me excited. That's why we started that's, with that song. That's
1: what gets Rich Greenfield going. Now we know.
3: Well, music, music, I think, is very important to a movie. And so I think that, you know, yeah, I'm old. Maybe I get the, it. There was nostalgia. Maybe nostalgic. the
1: Academy should
2: let you vote on, um, on best score every year. So Joe Galone just texted Gen X, and I think that's a that's a, a fair kind of comment <laughs> regarding the, the. But with that said, like, you know, it was a very formulaic music. It kind of hit all the chords, but it was also a good the music formulaic and
1: chords. You said it was a very formulaic m- music. Momentum. Sorry. He uh, the movie. <laughs> sorry.
2: <laughs> and then you backed it up with. <laughs> with chords. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but look, it's it's it was also just a good movie. It was very well produced in terms of like the cinematography of it and the storyline. It was like, I had no moments during the movie where I felt the need or the, or the interest in looking at my phone. And I will admit this, I'm a huge Marvel fan. And in some of those long Marvel films, there was, there were boring, boring parts that I had the urge to look at, to look at my phone. Now, whether my kids end up, being excited enough to go see this and does that impact the overall number sure that that could be an issue but like it was just a good fucking movie period how long was the movie 215
1: all right, that's it a did, little that's a f- little longer than I can sit still. It did as not, you know, Brandon, I I I,
2: I hear you. You, you and think I, even I would have gotten through this? I mean, it'll it's a good test to say can you get through it without? Although I did notice that Rich, your phone lit up, which was very fucking rude in in this theater of um, dude. People. Rich
1: probably was tweeting out the plot
2: lines as they, <laughs> as they were unfolding. I saw your Rich. phone light up <laughs> as too because you. I was sitting to your left, um, but anyway, it was a good movie. I think it's going to do well.
1: I do want to see it. It was my fucking birthday. And I went to the cocktail hour before the screening. But I, you know, I, w- I wanted to have a birthday dinner with my family. Hopefully, this
2: didn't prevent you from having a birthday dinner. We went out to dinner afterwards. It was, o- it was oh. over
1: at nine o'clock.
2: OK, and. You like
1: Scarlet goes to. Oh, I forgot! I forgot. You watch.
2: You watch. (laughs) Sticking on. Staying with uh, the Paramount. You watch um, Yellowstone. Mm -hmm. So you probably eat at five o'clock in the afternoon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, I don't sleep. Hence, all these (laughs) wrinkles that are coming in on my latest birthday. that's called called the stress. (laughs) I
3: suspect. I suspect. After a very tough week, there'll be a lot of people going to the theaters to watch Top Gun this weekend. To get out and have what is definitely a popcorn movie. Well, I got choked night, up at
2: certain parts of the movie. I oh, swear to God. I swear to God. This is one thing people don't know
1: about you, Walt. And what? because you more have such, he has such a gruff exterior on the podcast. Um, and that's, you know, his persona often in life of all of us. I actually think Walt is the softest on the inside.
2: Could be. I in really this case do. it was good. It was a good movie. So I recommend seeing it. And I think. People, I've gotten thank yous in the past when I was pushing people to see the <laughs> obvious one from Apple TV. What was that thing called again? I can't remember. Ted <laughs> Lasso. made a but. huge impression. <laughs> well, we right, say, oh,
3: no, no, but we should also say, but before yeah. we do it, we, we do have
2: Obi-Wan and Stranger Things as well uh, as Dana. Top Gun all this weekend. So this weekend, I will be watching the Champions League. I'm not sure where I'm streaming that, but the Champions League followed by Obi-Wan with a group of my friends, apparently it's getting fucking crazy positive reviews. And you're not
1: night. going to Paris. Like you said, you were going to.
2: So it's interesting. I got a text last night from, uh, from, um oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. That this, this CTO Dude, of T-Mobile. You're like
1: I was last My
2: brain week. is like.
1: This man. is insane. Like when I
2: couldn't remember the most basic thing. <laughs> Neville Ray is going to the Liverpool game. And he's like, you're not going to he was like, you know, giving me shit last night for not going to Paris to see Liverpool. But You know, I hope they win.
1: You know what I'm doing tomorrow? What? I'm going to go see the band Goose in Connecticut. I'm actually, tonight, Rich, I'm going to be in Westport. I might stop. have to stop by your house.
3: (laughs) What are you in Westport? Someone's playing at Westport Country Playhouse?
1: No, 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 no. Um, Tonight, my friend just built a house there and is having a housewarming party. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Maybe I should crash it. Maybe, Maybe you should, although there's going to be like, security i don't know by the way so,
2: uh, so uh, this is a good advice uh, good point wait, for security somebody,
1: or are they worried you know, about we, they're having like and you have to park your car like a mile away and oh, it's a big a party. shuttle and then
2: Mor- morgan yeah. o'brien who's the chairman of enterics once said um and he's had a lot of very large and nice houses when you build or move into a new house always schedule a party within two to three weeks of moving in because that forces you to unpack all your boxes and get all your shit set up. So you have the pressure of this massive party coming. So always schedule a party upon a move. Do you
1: think I would actually set my shit up? First,
2: first, Brandon, you need to find an apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon, for our lit podcast listeners that don't know him personally is, you know, has he's gonna be renting. Him. He's gonna be renting till he's sixty. How long even? Sure. How long have you been married now? Let's not even talk about how long you've been uh, dating slash married. But how long have you been married uh, now? It's a little I nine months.
1: Yeah, nine months and a week or two weeks.
2: Still no change in the apartment. I mean, <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I'll get there. It's a difficult time to I was talking to your define. brother about this yesterday. Oh, you are. And, and he said, like, you should have been buying this apartment. He, he's like, I was telling him one months ago to buy the just do it now. And look, you could you could have locked in good rates, got a good deal, everything's up 30, 40 percent.
1: Eric always gives very, very good advice. Brandon never listens to that advice. I'm good at giving others advice, not following my <laughs> own, as you know. All right, okay, let's, can we get let's started? Get- Let's Actually, go to inflation. Now, now that Rich wants to, let's not get started.
3: No, no. Yeah. We're, gonna go right to infl- <laughs> we're gonna go right to inflation. We're gonna go
2: right to inflation. Well, why don't you talk about what your company's uh, decided to talk
4: well, about? Well, was- we
2: we tasked Joe to find some tweets. Apparently he couldn't. So these are Bloomberg, <laughs> <laughs> these are Bloomberg headlines.
4: Yeah, you um,
1: asked him to find tweets and he came back with like the headline inflation number. <laughs>
2: All right. So so look, it's basically you had some investor conferences this week and you had the juxtaposition of two different CEOs, AT&T, saying they're not seeing softening of consumer demand and then followed up by Verizon at the same, I think it was the same conference, but whatever, speaking at a conference this week saying stiff competition, infl- inflation is tempering their, two, uh, their second quarter outlook. So I don't know why in wireless in general, maybe there's some individual competitive dynamics, but I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of differing viewpoints in the market in terms of what's going to happen um, in the economy. When we well, operate. we had Walmart and Target last week. We had
3: Best Buy this week sort of warning, like yep. they're all talking. I mean, they're not talking about I mean, collapse. this goes
1: beyond this goes beyond inflation though. Right. I mean, I think the most alarming thing um, out of the retailers were the inventory levels being up like 40% yeah. year over year which indicates, um, some receding of demand. And, you know, we talked about it even as early as Netflix reported how there were these little cracks, um, in the consumer that you could see from the Netflix, um, perspective, it was, if you drill down on churn, where it was coming from, which was, um, from the debit cards, which, which indicated people, you know, starting to make relative choices.
2: Uh, I mean, I if if he, I mean, it feels like Brandon that companies are ready and perhaps already acting because of the concerns of what they think will happen. Although maybe there's not tremendous evidence of that demand weakening. So even AT and T, when you're like, how can you be so different than Verizon? You're in the same industry. There can't be that much share change. Like, well, you know. We're not saying it's going to be this strong all year. Like they kind of, I don't want to say they walked it back, but they softened it, saying like, "Look, we, you know, we can certainly see how demand will wane over the course of the year." And in some cases, um, companies are seeing very quick impacts on their business. Okay, so that brings us to Snapchat, which essentially imploded this week
3: with Evan Spiegel speaking at an investor conference and basically telling us that their business is slowing far more than they thought um he basically came out and said it's funny they they said that they were growing 30% early in april and they got it to 20 to 25% for the quarter and so i think most investors thought they were being super conservative and then evan comes out at this conference and basically drops a bomb that they are quote likely going to be below the bottom end of the range and it just set off literally complete panic across not just snap investors but everybody in the ad-supported space and crushed Nasdaq.
1: Albeit, obviously, Snap took the brunt of it. I think it was down 41% that day. I thought the most interesting thing about that, obviously, they were pointing to really broad-based slowdown in their trends across DR, brand, domestic, international, individual verticals. So you're not, you're not seeing something that was probably, and, and the speed, the, the deceleration in trends really are indicative that you're not seeing something that was like engagement based or anything like that. This was clearly macro driven, but the interesting thing is kind of the debate it set off at that conference um, among some of the other CEOs that were speaking who said, yeah, Snap seeing that, but it's not Snap. I, I mean, it's not us. It's not anyone else. It's just Snap. And I think Om, Omicom, Omnicom was the best example of that. Now to that, I say a couple of things. One, Snap is very much a programmatic platform at this um, ad platform at this point. So they are going to see things in real time, whereas Omnicom is involved in a probably longer term planning cycle than that of Snap. So they're probably going to see things on a delay. Would you agree with that?
3: Not just on a delay. I mean, I think it's also like a lot of their businesses, things like linear television, which, you know, things are set in the upfront, like it just moves far, far slower. And so, I mean, first of all, forget about what Omnicom said. We we heard what Verizon said. Verizon was very clear. They're seeing the impact of a slowdown. You listen to Walmart
2: and, and Target and Best Buy. So- Yeah, but you're being I, selective because ATT said the opposite. And I would sure. argue- Well, I this argue- is the debate, right? Okay. Well, I would argue though that- the slowdown from Snap is a company that's that's worried about how all the talking heads are saying that we're going to go into a recession and cutting an advertising budget when they maybe before they're seeing slowing demand in their products. So if I'm a consumer product company branding on Snap, did I in fact cut my ad budget because my demand slowed down for my products then or because I'm worried about in the future so I'm preparing for the future? Which is it? Well, I'd say two things. First of all, in talking to um,
3: trying to understand exactly what's going on, it doesn't sound like Snap is slowing. You know, they guided to twenty to twenty-five. I think the investor fear was they were slowing to like ten or even single-digit. It sounds like it's far less severe than. No, you're investors. talking about
1: for the quarter, though, Rich. But if correct, you, if you if you start to back in on the math, if they started the quarter up thirty, right, and then they guided. 20 to 25, and now they're likely to come in below 20, what does that mean for the trends that they're currently seeing? It and could mean low
3: double digits right now, for sure.
1: If that, right?
3: And if so, right. But I mean, even getting to 20 would have assumed a much lower level, right? But the the,
1: the so bigger- They're clearly, I mean, they're clearly seeing it. They went and filed an 8K. It's the correct. It's, I don't think this is- you know, yeah, something but I, where they're being conservative with one month left in the quarter and what could happen in that month. But remember, otherwise, they probably Facebook, would have taken a wait and see. You know, I think sure, the real time trends were. But no. But I just mean, are. like,
3: remember, Facebook is looking for single digit growth. So it, it's not like Snap was certainly being more aggressive in their growth rates. Maybe that was the mistake in hindsight. But Snap was certainly growing faster than a lot of other players in the space. Now they're slowing down. I think they're still going to be growing faster than Facebook, but you know certainly that's part of the problem is that they were forecasting a much more aggressive growth rate.
1: Yeah, but they were forecasting the much more aggressive growth rate because they were growing at way, way, way- um, 50, 60%. Yeah, faster growth rate. They have user growth that's far in excess of the zero growth that's happening at Facebook, yep. and they were taking incre- share on incremental dollars spent. So you, ca- you, know, you can't like apples to apples that, right? Go ahead. Sorry, No,
2: that's okay. You you guys talked it out. But I I just, again, because you just changed the topic, which is fine because that was more important. I just wonder, is it possible that this is not like a slowdown, but a pause because companies and ad budget is the easiest thing to cut very quickly. We're in a time of great uncertainty. You pause it for now, but what if demand for the consumer products of the brands that are advertising on Snap don't see weakness? Are they not going to come back and and revert to advertising? So the question is, will the demand slowdown actually follow? Because if you think about it from the opposite side, what do we see? Why do we have supply chain issues? In part, it's because when you can't get something, you double order. So you have tons of double orders out there that at some point are going to get canceled. And then we're going to have a supply glut. Like That is the nature of the cycles that occur right now. They're much quicker. Companies act faster.
3: Look, it's a great, you nailed it, honestly, because the the reality is look back to what happened in April of 2020. Everyone hit pause. Every single company dramatically started lowering their expectations. And then within eight weeks, they were crushing
1: expectations on the upside. That, That was a very different situation, I think, than what we're dealing with now. I will agree that I think that these cycles are happening faster because- that responses can be more in real time. I mean, just we talked about programmatic. I mean, it used to be you had a plan way in advance for upfront TV scatter market was some of it. But now you make weekly decisions on allocations and advertising. It moves fast. But there's also second order effects. If advertising slows sure. down, yep. Snap doesn't hire as many people, cuts people. That, yep. I mean, this, it's a fucking regular economic cycle. So you, Correct. I don't think there, there's anything like in... Um, in COVID. The, it was there was a full pause, a full lockdown. Right. Then people adjusted to how they were going to spend money and work. And so when that happened, things and the Fed helped a lot too. Right. Things snap back quickly.
2: I, I agree, hundred percent. It's going be not,
1: more elongated than that.
2: And I'm not making the argument that I don't think there's going to be an economic slowdown. I'm just saying that this is not necessarily the tangible evidence of it. It's not. It's not a. It's not a. Um, a factor of where lo- like end demand is with consumers. The Verizon to your point is. Right. Um, and 18- some of the
1: retailers, right. Wh- sure. Whose inventory levels are up massively despite supply chain issues.
2: Right. But did they I don't look, we none of us follow them. Was that because of lack of demand or was it because the the they double ordered and the supplies came through?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's a good question. Exactly. I don't follow
1: it that closely. I did exactly. see next same store. I did see same store sales estimates coming down and being more negative than
2: but then what's happened in the last two days because obviously consumers fucking rallied bigly.
1: Dude, why do you think that like the <laughs> stock market is <laughs>
3: Yeah, the, the tie between the, the stock market, and economic. All right, let's bro, go, let's move on. So, Elon Musk, what a crazy um, few days we've had. Um, I, I guess
1: we'll read Teddy book. Uh, th- can can from... we just go back? And I, I guess i What been Schleifer. Schleifer. <laughs> Schleifer. Um What? What do we think on Snap stock here? Because I gotta always kind of tie it back to stocks.
3: Well, I, I think my gut instinct is is the one one the good the the good news is is it sounds like engagement is very solid. So yeah. the, the reality is, look, if the entire ad market really is collapsing, the entire sector is getting annihilated. Yeah. It's not just Snap. I think the degree to which Snap was penalized when it sounds like it doesn't it, it sounded more like the use of the word likely. It sounds like more like they're targeting. 17 to 20% growth versus 20 to 25, which again, isn't good, but the fear of like how bad this is and how bad it's decelerating seems overdone. I think snap, I think this is, this just feels overdone. On the, other, like side just the, too on the
1: other side of the cycle, the things that are really important when you- Growth of the, users, growth of time
3: spent, engagement.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they they will get the ad share, increasing ad share. And when the ad market comes back, you know, but on paper, and I say on paper, obviously it's still an expensive stock. And has always
3: been an expensive yeah, stock. Uh,
1: way less expensive than it was when it was trading at like 17 times revenue or whatever the fuck it was. Um, but expensive stocks aren't really working in this market. Yep. But the, f- the future is bright there. Okay. Uh, Mr. Schleffer, Schleifer. You do it. Schleifer, you do it, Schleifer. Brandon. Read our three tweets. They're all together. Um, should I start off with Teddy? Schleffer Schleifer? Yes. Okay. Should I do it slow? Yes. Elon Musk. No. Elon Musk is letting his margin loans expire for the Twitter deal and is now committing to financing up to $33.5 billion of the deal with equity per new SEC filing. Also, he's still talking with Jack.
3: And then you want to read what he said about Jack?
1: If you'd like me to. Sure. I'm a fan of Jack, by the way. Wish he would stay on the board, but I understand that he needs to move on to Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> that to
2: that Bitcoin was was not on the tweet from Elon. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> he should no, it wasn't. So he should have said to Dogecoin. <laughs> that would have been better.
1: Yes, I am extremely disappointed. That Jack is a Bitcoin maximalist. I would like him to become a Dogecoin maximalist. Uh, so,
2: is this 33.5 billion of equity? This is all new equity from because the first announcement, which included an, a list of investors, I don't think got you to 33.5. So. And basically he
3: replaced like it was like an eight billion dollar margin loan. He replaced whatever that number was. I forget off the top of my head, but he replaced the margin loan and increased the amount of equity that he had gotten funded. So the Got Tesla it. margin loan, and I think that took some of the pressure off of Tesla. Tesla. Um, Tesla.
2: Do we list? Do we do we see the list of who the incremental $8 billion came from?
3: I, I have not seen it yet. It might have okay. been filed. I have not seen it yet. Whereas we do, we did see the list of the original one, like Ellison, et cetera. Got it. What else is going on on the Twitter board, Rich? Well, I think that's what's so interesting is something I've just, I don't think in my 27 plus years doing this, I don't think I've ever seen what happened. So Egon Durbin of Silver Lake, who's been a board member since they invested probably 18 months ago, Brandon, he was voted off the board yesterday or two days ago. And this morning, Twitter filed an 8K saying, we are not going to accept his resignation. We're going to keep him on the board, even after shareholders voted him off. Basically, this, you know, so it's interesting from two angles. One is there was sort of a view that he wanted to leave the board so that Silver Lake could do something, basically help Musk or be active on helping Musk or maybe rolling their equity or something like that. But now he's staying on the board and he's staying on the board. Um, at least the 8K says, because he was uh, basically because he was essentially um, forced out by proxy firms who say that he was on too many boards. And so the recommendation of the proxy firms was to vote against him because he's on too. He was overboarded. He's agreed to reduce his board exposure.
1: And so the Twitter board is keeping him. So I have no idea. They I'd probably need him, honestly. You see, yeah, but, who has more deal experience than okay. than Egon at this point? And there's a deal going on.
2: But whether they need him or not, the investors have spoken. How do you just ignore a shareholder vote? The tribe vote? has spoken. How do, you, how do you ignore a shareholder vote? I there, don't I, know. It's great. I, I, I don't, don't give a I shit sh- what your reasons are. Like, you can't just, well, maybe they can. I guess obviously you can. I guess you can, obviously. So, the lawyer listeners among us, please reach out to us and explain to us how a shareholder vote can be just rejected. Um, that seems odd, but maybe reflective of the board.
3: but I will say, I think Elon getting more equity financing, reducing the margin loan risk, and elon he seen you know he's definitely made some negative comments about Twitter this week. There's no doubt about it, but the level of sort of attacking of Twitter. Seems like he's really backed off. And I don't know if that was his lawyers getting involved, but I'm sure
1: his lawyers were like, listen, dude, you have to close this deal. You have no way out. So stop shitting on Twitter. And yeah, you're probably overpaid by double, especially when we look at what these companies have done this week. Right. Uh, it just maybe- shows you
3: there's still a 35% spread on this stock. I mean, the upside, if this deal closes, it's I mean it's gone from 50 to 35 in just the past few days. There's huge upside if this thing actually closes. I mean, nobody is still betting that this, I mean, I just talking to investors, yeah, nobody thinks it's closing. Certainly, no one thinks it's closing at closing 54. At
1: 5420.
3: Nobody. There's nobody that believes that. And so if it actually closes at 5420 or heck, even 48, like take 10% off. Um there's a lot of upside here. Where's that
1: so, where is that stock right now? Uh
3: it's 39 sp- thir- actually just hit 40. Without just Elon, hit 40
2: that stock. When it when it uh, you know <laughs> how often have we seen the herd have a view on the opinion of a transaction closing or a court case not Oh, I remember a I I remember let's a big not rehash. one there, the let's, not rehash. let's not rehash. Oh, let's, I do remember.
1: I did get a great there's, bottle of wine
2: out of that. There's been multiple.
1: Well, which one are, such, are you talking um, oh, Time Warner Cable. Or cable. Yeah. yeah, we got Opus One Sprint. out of that. In yeah, one, we got yes. Opus One
3: out of that. It was a great bottle. Okay, next. Okay, let's go on.
2: Walt, do you want to tee this up? I don't know if this is charter currency, I, I, or incoming CFO, whatever. So um, basically, again, back to investor conference this week, CEO Tom of Charter, Tom Rutledge, talked about greater activities, and then charter, I guess, incoming CFO, or maybe current, um, talked also about elevated activities, but in her original comments, like kind of tied it to churn. So there was some confusion of whether the activity is higher churn, is it higher growth sounds, like what is going on? And, and I think to Phil Cusick of JP Morgan's credit, he did a good job on following up to try and connect what Tom had said and what she had said to try and get an answer. And now we invite our podcast listeners um, to, to tell us what they think the answer was. Rich, cue it. Listen up. This is so from we'll current on your first comment, CFO. comment
3: Tom saying activity came up a little bit in May, and you said that's from very low levels of churn. So does that mean sort of moves and, and like migration within the market or or just incoming inbounds and interest?
4: You know, net ads are always sort of the tip of the iceberg in terms of what happens with... a lot going on underneath. There's yeah. a lot going on underneath. And so what we're seeing, I think, is just a touch of upward movement in uh, sort of across all of those things. Um, how that plays out in terms of what happens with net ads. Um, and given how low we've been in the activity levels, sort of how it how it grows out, we'll have to have you know a few more months to kind of see. And given the broader economic environment, I think you know you can you can see a little bit, and it's not really anything until it fully materializes. But um but they're I don't know, they're green shoots, so we're uh, we're excited about the possibility of it coming back. We're certainly ready. Um, for there to be additional movement in the market. Um, but absent that movement, as I said, we've got lots of other things going on to try to make sure that we continue to grow overall.
1: What? Can you play that again? I'm not <laughs> no, even joking. No, no, I- no. I'm never. serious. you guys, They wouldn't let me listen to it. I was,
4: <laughs> I, full I, I
1: disclosure, think I, th- I was late for like sort of the quick prep. And I wanted to listen to that beforehand and Rich and Walt would not let me listen to it. Now I have literally no fucking idea what that CFO said. Look, 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 I think, I think you could listen to it five I'm just going to take a back seat because I honestly, that, that was unintelligible. I think the use of the word, the
3: the, the use of the word green shoots at the end makes me believe, makes me believe she's better. Well, she's talking, I I believe she's talking about gross ads but the question was sort of tied to churn. And so like, it's confusing, but I think her point was gross ads are picking up a little bit, I think, but I don't really know.
1: This is what I started to think. And this is kind of counterintuitive to what we're seeing in the real estate um, cycle, right? Was that churn kind of picks up because of move churn, mm-hmm. but with With people moving, gross ads also picks up. And if they're taking share, right? then in housing movement, um they would grow net ads by the combination of higher churn and higher gross ads. But that may be completely wrong. And I have no idea. I think she just
2: got she basically didn't want to answer. didn't want to be on the on the record as saying one thing or another. And then it just kind of took a left or right turn. And then that's when Green shoots just started to kick in. I somebody
1: please. I mean, obviously, you guys studied this. So why is no. that even a slide? No. Like What are we getting from it?
3: No, it was just it was honestly it was just the the, the sheer work that is sometimes involved. In investor conferences, I mean, again, snap earlier on using the word likely below, like it leaves these things open to interpretation that are not
2: easy. That obviously is an even worse example of it. I would also argue that if that was a light shed interview, that again, I'll give um, Phil Cusick props for at least coming back to the topic. But after that kind of word salad, he should have said like, wait a minute, is churn up or down? Like, oh, and then that, that, that would have been my response would it be, could you actually just explain what you were talking about? Where Where's the follow up? Could
1: where's you play it one more time? No, no. no. Why? I want to <laughs> no, just hear it because now I'm curious.
2: <laughs> no, I know. We're... You won't get an answer if you listen to it two, three, four times. All right. Was the stock up or down after um, it was initially down in part because I think I tweeted my first imp- from her first comments like it sounds like churn is up at charter, the yep. metric that they don't report. and then she gave the bad <laughs> answer and then and like all these stocks have been rallying in the last couple of days right so. so
1: we so we can't tell right um exactly, but I'm sure they were doing kind of like small group meetings around the conference. all the companies usually do, so there was probably some clarification on that, and that's why I asked if the stock moved up or down. <laughs> I don't know. So the stock is, the company is either doing better or worse. Next. Correct. Correct. Yes, that is the takeaway. Cool.
3: So Dylan Byers, Puck News. Uh, we got a puck this week. Uh, scoop, Puck News. Comcast Brian Roberts recently proposed spinning off NBC Universal to merge it with Electronic Arts. Entity would have been controlled by Roberts, run by EA CEO Andrew Wilson. Um, I'm not really sure this is a scoop no. because, Brandon, we've been talking no, we've about been, this, this for this at least started- a month.
1: I, at least I, I think that these conversations were more of like a, uh, you know, earlier in the year um, yeah. event that kind of leaked out. Um, and, you know, we didn't obviously want to talk about it, but whatever, um, because, you know, we got to keep to the rules. But um, I, look, I don't fucking get it. I don't know if you're Comcast. Why specifically you're targeting EA, who owns virtually no IP whatsoever, um, versus like why didn't you make a move for Activision when that was for sale? Oh, we think they and did. You, we, well, we hold on. We, we think they did. I read the pro- I read the proxy. Uh, I think it, they it, at least. It, They didn't make a formal offer. I don't think they made a formal offer. offer. It sounded like no one was even remotely serious in competing with Microsoft for that asset. Hold
3: hold on. Let's step back. The problem with Comcast buying anything, first of all, why is Comcast looking to buy something? Let's first start with that. The reason Comcast is likely interested in doing a deal is that their cable business, tied to what Walt has been talking about with broadband, broadband net ads are slowing meaningfully. There's a chance of... If 5G is big enough, as Walt wrote, like there's a there's a likelihood in the next three years that Comcast broadband net ads could go negative. So if you're if your cable business is slowing to the cash flow
1: business.
3: Sure. But if your growth is slowing on cable, NBC is subscale on the studio side. Cable networks and broadcast networks are clearly not going in the right long term direction. Theme parks are incredible, although we might be heading into a recession, but they're incredible as assets right now, at least. And Sky is obviously a satellite platform, one way satellite platform that doesn't look long term well positioned. So if you're Comcast. Uh, you
1: you miss their, their streaming asset, Rich. That is losing every, every, two and a half yeah, billion everything dollars. Everything is, is moving to Peacock,
3: right? And it's losing two and a half billion
1: dollars. It's losing two and a half billion dollars. And you're also in probably the most competitive possible industry with seven different players trying to differentiate and losing money while doing it where so we if you're found comcast out that even netflix is probably not as good a business as we thought it was. Okay. So 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 we again if diversify. you're
3: No, no, So if you're Comcast, not only just diversify, but you want to find an area of growth, yep. you're certainly looking to do something, but the problem is, and I think the problem with Activision, the problem with doing a Warner Media deal even back when we talked about it and wrote about it 2 years ago, was Comcast doesn't want to give up their super or Brian Roberts doesn't want to give up his super voting control. Remember, he owns very little of Comcast, but he controls 30% of the vote. And that super voting power is definitely an inhibitor to a deal. And it sounds like it was a problem at Activision. It sounds like it was a problem at EA. It certainly was a problem with AT&T getting something done with Warner Media. So I think the only interesting thing about what we learned from the EA article or the EA story was that it sounds like he was at least willing to spin it off, not to give yeah, up control, but, but to spin but, it off. Yeah,
1: but that's the point there. Not willing to give up control.
3: Which sort okay. of is like, what's so the what's, difference What's then? the
1: difference of your spin-off? And by the way, like if you wanted to spin it off and maintain control of both, there was actually a time when there was a vast multiple differential between the cable business and the content side of the business. Whereby you, and obviously it was a good time to lever up, hence, you know, charters uh, levered buyback, um, where you could have created shareholder value. Now you have a situation where the multiples have really actually converged. um, So you're not, you know, generating as much out of that. Now, does moving into games put you in an area of future growth and expose you to where? the media business is going increasingly? Yes, it does. But is EA in particular the right asset to get you there given like Respawn and like Battlefield is the only like owned content and you can't leverage it across everything else? No, probably not. And then when you think about where things are going in terms of 3D interactive platforms, it's more onto this sort of democratization of content creation that's happening on Roblox and Epic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know exactly what buying that particular asset. Like Roblox um, is yet. a $12
3: billion market cap. It's even less than that. Like enterprise value. Like, yeah, why are I we mean, not talking about Roblox? I mean, I look, I realize yeah, I Dave mean, uh, not yeah, want to sell.
1: Obviously, but you think Dave's selling the fucking Comcast? No chance. Disney. I mean, you can make an argument right. and maybe because it's Disney, but I, you know, just OK, so let's sw-
3: let's switch this around. Why is EA looking to sell?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, we could go back now that it's years ago and, and I could say it like we sure. would sit we would sit in fucking meetings with them. I don't even remember who they'd be like, oh, until like Microsoft buys us like there was always sort of this like arrogance that they were an asset that would one day get bought. Right.
3: So do you think that Microsoft buying a competitor now puts them in the feeling of like they have to do something?
1: Microsoft. um, Like if Microsoft
3: Activision closes, does that make EA feel pressured to do something?
1: That's a good that's a good question. I think you're starting to see um, the power um, in this business maybe start to accrete to larger Platforms that are more vertically integrated. So they may feel, you know, kind of subscale relative to those companies. And you've seen on their subscription side, like EA Play hasn't really done shit. And if the world moves to subscription, you're probably going to want to be tied to a more diversified offering like you get um, from Xbox or maybe even eventually Netflix, and we'll get there later. So I don't know. I, to me, I don't really know who the dance partner is for EA. Maybe it is Take Two eventually, and Strauss goes and runs both because then you consolidate all of the sports properties. You're not competing against your, you know, number one competitor for that. Um, you know, that gives you some. Uh, you have at least Take Two has a, a bunch of interesting content um, that they can leverage. You're obviously leveraging um fixed costs and take two has been subscale until this um most recent acquisition so maybe uh that's that's the best answer but we'll see
3: um well i guess this question we sort of still have hanging out there is activision even happening and that sort of leads us into our next slide walt
2: Well, I don't know how this relates to act. Well, you're saying because of the channel, but the issue here is in any of these things is um, the regulatory implications that most people, that's the primary reason people think management teams don't want to go after stuff. So just, you know, the update, I guess, is FCC still without its fifth um, commissioner, which would impact, you know, certain media or telecom transactions. Um, But another story, this time out of um, the information, about what's going on at the FTC, where Lena Khan, who was already about the survey of her employees, we, we talked about in a prior podcast, was not positive. Obviously, from going from a professor to running a large organization is a, a bit of a challenge. And now everyone's in an uproar because she wasn't letting any of the deputies speak. So just more kind of negative press for Lena. And everyone's kind of waiting for what is the F- FTC going to do as morale continues to sink within that organization under her leadership. Right, are the deal of, yeah, and I think
3: like this whole Microsoft Activision has been one of those deals that I mean, just like remember the whole Amazon MGM was sitting and they were threatening of that the FTC might do something or the DOJ might do something, and you know here we have this Microsoft transaction. There's still a pretty good spread on this deal. I mean, I don't think I think there's a lot of people worried Activision deal isn't going to happen. I just you know it's just like the FTC, just what are they doing? when are we going to find out like what happens with it It just feels like there's this backlog of things it's going to be
1: it's going to be a while i mean the expected close on this was extremely extremely elongated um as communicated by microsoft and activision to start with and this just seemed i don't know this isn't my area of expertise this is like waltz game but um i don't know what the fuck's happening
2: I don't think many people do. And same thing, same question goes to the administration's inability to get um, a fifth FCC commissioner placed. Next. Jeepers, Mr. Wilson.
3: <laughs> so the next slide is sort of um, sort of a fascinating interview that um, Tony Fidel did with Peter Kafka this week. Should I play the audio before we even tee it up?
1: First, why don't you tell us who Tony Fidel is?
2: <laughs> well he a made senior Apple i mean i executive know bro, responsible yes. for the brandon there's a difference he, he's between... why we have
3: ipod and he's why we have I, nest I, devices
1: okay but i don't always
3: okay always i mean always i say that i me. assume everyone knows that but i'm
2: whatever. Know, I guess people also probably know that Apple's working on um you know Headsets. whatever an un-up- updated google glass let's just call it yeah. they're, they're, they care about ar among other uh initiatives that people come and go from the company from time to time. So um AR is it called AROS? Whatever. So Tony has a view on the metaverse, Brandon, that I think Let's you'd hear. be interested in listen to. I have not, by the way, heard
1: this yet. So
0: we're also you go out of your way to be critical of stuff where you don't think that works. So that's AR and VR and the metaverse. Mm. No. Metaverse is the application of AR, VR, or XR technology. I do not. I think I fully support AR, VR, and XR as technologies. I don't support the metaverse as an application the way it has been built by some people, which is dancing in the metaverse with VR and trying to make human connection in VR. But to be clear, you're AR. critical of the idea that you are going to want to strap on glasses, period. Like, you're, you're, you're I think your argument for AR... VR is these are industrial things. These are have specific uses. It's not a consumer mainstream product. I don't think it's a consumer mainstream platform nor product. It needs to start with solving an application or a pain point first, and then it can grow up into a platform that's worthy. And maybe or maybe not, it's worthy of social. But I don't think you can make real social connections in something where you can't look into another person's eye. So I understand that you can't, the that meeting in person... Uh, and mean, then I want to go, by the well, way, hold right. on, before you end,
3: I just want to go to where he ends, because I think we want to jump forward. So just let me play the last little bit of this clip.
0: We have an existential crisis out there called climate crisis. OK, how are we taking all these smart brains, all this money on something that doesn't have a sol- that doesn't is not solving a problem? We only have so much time. I say fuck the metaverse because I want people to have human connection, and I want us to be investing in the things so we can maybe one day have a metaverse for human connection. But let's go focus on the things that matter.
2: I'm Not sure it's either or. And let me just I, I, say, I, having listened to the entire thing, oh this interview exactly. This interview was all over the place, and the guy and uh, Fidel was contradicting himself left and right. We all rich loves uh, Brandon, as you know, to point out when we have, when we talk about products for our own clients, yeah, you know, they don't know what they want until we give it to them. Like, and and which is, which is, is him channeling Steve Steve. Jobs. Right. So, and then Peter Kafka did a great job at saying like, well, wait a minute. Like, well, I thought Steve said like, you don't, you don't know what you want. And like, so he's, he was constantly contradicting himself throughout this entire interview. So I would suggest people, I guess, well, maybe don't even bother listening to it because he was all over the place. But look, let's focus on, the there is a on- great
3: portion of that interview. After he interviews Tony, he does
2: interview someone named Rich Greenfield as well. well it was, it was before, not after Rich. It Sorry. Was before. If Sorry. you would like me to comment on that interview, I have my own comments. Oh on boy. That. Oh, oh boy. I've, oh, I've, boy. I've, I've
1: actually heard that commentary. I don't Because, because, because it, Kafka be called out, podcast. called
2: you out on a couple of things that, you know, I thought Kafka once again, does a great job interviewing, but let's, let's dig digress <laughs> into that. We can talk about that one later. So, on Fidel, I also though, have not listened to that. Just but on four. Fidel, like it's fucking self-serving, obviously, because they do AR and VR is taking shots at at Facebook, but I don't know. Did was Joe? I asked Joe to give us stats on um whether uh the metaverse was mentioned. We, this is a word that is, we track it, on it, our quarterly it, conference calls. Do we get those numbers? Can <sighs> we
1: just like kind of get let's get back to the word metaverse, right? Because I has think been abused. I, no, I think a lot of this is just semantics, right? So what Fidel just did was use the word metaverse to mean VR, right? And the metaverse does, you know, is sort of the way at least we see it, um, is we're on a continuum right now of the development of the internet which will one day end in the ability for all of us to interact all together at the exact same time in the same instance in virtual space and for the economy to exist in both that virtual space as well as in the real world, right? So we're on a continuum to to that and there are going to be more and more applications that occur in 3d space and some of those are going to happen with vr headsets on because there will be when you put um, technology into the hands of developers there will be killer apps that are created for that situation there's already been some breakthroughs in gaming There. As you get to photorealism, there's going to be, you know, the use case for a real presence um to feel like you're with somebody in VR, right? To just label, you know, oh, the metaverse is bad, I think, is a little bit simple, and, and also I just thought
2: for, it was okay. and also for a fifty year old plus man to go out there and say, like, it's the same shit that you would hear about like texting or discord or things like that. Like, Oh, you know, kids don't know how to relate one. I get, I understand that, but I also saw how my kids were able to interact during COVID using these technologies and before COVID and their interactivity versus what we had available to us as kids when we went home and maybe you called someone on the phone. If your parents didn't give you grief for fucking long distance charges or whatever, but like the, uh, the amount of connectivity that kids have today better, you know, there's obviously negative parts of that. Like that is I think just bizarre. And then on top of that, to double down and pull the old, you know, what I would call the college argument saying like, oh, my God, how can you be investing in fill in the blank when we're not solving climate change? Like, so everything else stops in the economy. Shut up. Because that's literally what he said.
1: I know. Okay. Ridiculous.
3: We'll move on. So Claire Atkinson from Business Insider has a story. New leaked Netflix survey of marketers reveals how it's thinking about ads on the streamer. And Yanko Rogers has net from Protocol has Netflix survey subscribers about console gaming and game streaming. Let's start with the advertising, because I thought it was actually interesting that it sounds like, again, who knows what actually happens before it occurs. But it sounds like Netflix is thinking about just pre and post-roll ads and no disruptive in-content advertising, which obviously, one, dramatically reduces the ad load possible. Yeah. Um, two, makes for an uninterrupted experience. And it's funny, TV networks have tried this for years. I remember like 24, somebody would, he would sponsor on Fox. People would sponsor, I think it was like GM uh, or maybe it was Ford. It was all right, It was Ford F-150. They would sponsor the episode and then it would be completely unimpacted, you know, during the entire show. And it was always a great experience. And we always sort of wondered why, you know, the problem is you just couldn't get enough. You couldn't replace and get a high enough ad load from pre and post relative to 18 minutes per hour. So it's it'll be interesting to see if that's what Netflix does and whether anybody else follows. It sounds like Disney, there was a, some sort of talk out of Disney coming out of the upfront that, you know, Disney's thinking about 15 and 30 seconds, even doing some in movies, which I think is interesting. So it'll be interesting to see how the ad strategies diverge. Clearly, advertisers are dying to advertise. I mean, we talked about what's happening this weekend, Stranger Things and Obi-Wan. Those are the two biggest pieces of of TV or in-home content, and neither right now has advertising. So I get why advertisers want this, and it'll just be interesting to see whether Netflix can kind of keep a better user experience, even as they layer in some ads.
1: I mean, it's interesting what you just said, Rich. And it tells you how quickly this Netflix ad initiative is evolving because three weeks ago or four weeks ago, it was, hey, we're going to follow the Hulu playbook because they have it. And why shouldn't we? It works. And now you're talking to me about a completely different um. Uh, way of looking at this. It's just weird to me that they don't know, given the fact that there's word out there that they're going to uh, launch this sometime by the end of 2022. So I have no idea what's going on. Sounds like Uh neither do they. And this is maybe it's also content dependent.
3: Maybe it's reality TV will have regular ad breaks. Maybe, you know, dramas won't, you know, maybe movies won't. I mean, that may be part of the confusion is it may be tied to types of content. I'm not the survey didn't talk to that. I'm just saying in general. Yeah,
1: by the way, be, they asked the, I mean, if you're just going on a survey and not other kind of right. like word that's out there, Yeah. you know, survey, they're going to ask everything and anything. And Correct. they're just kind of trying to take the temperature. I did, I thought you said there you had heard this, heard that. I didn't realize this was all tied to the survey. Sorry. And what do you think about a survey? Whatever.
3: What do you think about Netflix getting into consoles?
1: I mean, Netflix, gaming is moving cross-platform anyway, right? Number one. Number two, I think for the deeper, more immersive experiences, people are going to want to play them on the big screen. And they're going to start off with simpler games that are best, you know, in the Western world on mobile, you know, more casual games and, as they evolve, they're going to get hopefully into uh, deeper, better, bigger experiences and want to get onto the big screen. The path to the big screen just isn't clear at this point. I don't think that they mean console in the way we think of it. Like Netflix is going to have their own console. I think they're probably more thinking about it um, as you know the Netflix app opens in Xbox on PlayStation or even on apple tv and then you know you use your joystick controller whatever the fuck you want to call it to play but they will get there eventually if they're serious about the games business deadline
3: hollywood has um a a story nfl reportedly sets july launch of mobile focused streaming service nfl plus its own version of previous verizon and yahoo setups uh, and then the streamable has another NFL story. Amazon aiming to create NFL alternate broadcast with Pat McAfee. Let's start sh-
2: with no on the first one. Okay, there was there was a podcast a while ago now where I specifically said I do not want to see any tweets up here about NFL content deals. <laughs> That's true. That's until true. Until that Sunday ticket deal is signed,
3: that is true. I, I will agree. You did tell me I was not allowed to talk about
2: anything. P- until, Particularly for something like, who gives a shit, dude? NFL plus five bucks a month in market. Like, does this even matter in the grand scheme of things?
3: I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, sorry. The NFL doing their own mobile deal versus putting that. I mean, we sort of thought that, hey, they would we knew want that. To, but we knew that. No, they, they had taken it back early from Verizon. Okay. We actually thought that they were going to package that in with the NFL oh. network sale to okay. make that a more compelling transaction. Now they're doing this on their own. It's interesting. I mean, it feels like doing it on their own. Obviously, they can control it more. They can actually, theoretically, they could market it. Because I think that was the problem that with Verizon is they never told you that this sort of existed. So it'll be
2: interesting to see what the NFL does with this. I don't know if that's true. And Verizon didn't. Verizon, I mean, look at look at who's that company that we use to get ad spend. I mean, Verizon's a fucking top five, ten ad spender. And this was definitely included when they got it in a lot of those ads. So I push back on that. Don't don't throw okay. this at Verizon's feet.
3: On the second piece, are you excited that there'll be an alternate broadcast on
2: Amazon? Well, Rich, like many things, you have to start somewhere. Right? Like for example, HR. got a huge following. No, HR has, HR8 a eight is a good, following HR 8 would be a good WWE start. now, right? But yes, uh, the tweet at some point Rich will bring up shows the fact that Pat McAfee is going to be alternate think, audio for um who is it NFL for, no, or no for Amazon, Amazon on Amazon on but, Thursday night football, essentially. He'll be this a, is, an alternate this, for Thursday but, night. But this this definitely misses he is a good choice, right? He is a good choice, he was he, in he, the well, NFL. But we don't know
1: entertaining has well, on Twitter str- as a strong He's got a huge podcast. strong, strong okay. following, podcast. okay outside of
2: football yeah. itself and will bring people along. So it's good to have alternative audio, but it misses the point, which is that what what would be, I think useful and what the future is at some point, just opening up to whoever oh, VR? no, no, no okay. exactly. <laughs> VR watching. Dude, we were supposed to have that, like, ten- remember when Verizon did their 5G thing in New York, when the, the Super Bowl was in New York? And, yeah, we were supposed to be able to see, you know, look around the state. Anyway, I digress. I was just what, poking what, some fun. What, what these sports need is, like, everything in technology, openness. Let whoever you want be the audio for that and, and develop their own subscription services around it. Period. End of story. When you open things up, you get innovation. That's what you, that's what you want. You want that. Pat McAfee is a nice alternative, but it's not innovation. What are you typing? You're texting again. You were you were Bloomberg messaging earlier in this. Uh, I was. We, texting like to pause? Why is your Bloomberg? Would you like to pause the podcast? Because literally, that was the break to go to the next slide. Can we? Should we pause the broadcast so you can catch up with all your texting? No,
3: I was you trying to, to get. You, I the, was trying to get you a number. Because the top gun previews were tremendous. They were between nineteen and twenty million dollars for Thursday, which I believe is Paramount's okay, biggest but, but you opening need to be ever. In
2: the moment in order I to have- was, I was just typing uh, You mark trying. I was, I was just you weren't I, because that that we, we were ready for we go go. the next slide and you're sitting there like this. So, and I'm like trying to induce you to go to the next slide. And it was so, like so when I'm slide. trying to be in the moment, are we cutting I'm on, that or is no? That, it's yeah, so yeah, good. I think That's I so think good that
3: banter should stay. That should that's, totally stay because I'm always fun. getting yelled at. I'm everyone yells at me, so I always get upset with with air airline um, internet. Walter, you're going to tell me whether it's going to get better
1: and Uber <laughs> drivers and any anything related to travel. By the way, rich, I found, rich gets upset. He found, has no I, patience for when he's traveling. Go
2: and, ahead, and I, we we'll we'll do this after the podcast. I found a way in Uber to to click through and see how many actual number one. Ratings that you get. It's not the average. It's not whether you have a four two or a four seven. It will literally say how many one ratings that you've got, you've uh, received on your trips <laughs> with Uber. How many do you I think wanna... Rich has? Oh man! I don't what is know.
1: everyone's Uber rating, by <laughs> the way? Why don't we check? I'm not disclosing. I'm not disclosing. Let's do a right now. No, no, I'm not disclosing. By the way, would, why would, aren't, would, aren't you disclosing, Rich? I this, is, this, this is
2: this is private. This is private information. I was going to do this for my daughter and her rating is 5.0. No, <laughs> like, come on. I swear to God. How is that even possible? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, can we read the slide? Someone uh, Mark yes. Kelly
1: just said his is 4.79. Yeah, probably normal. We always knew he was a nicer person than me. Mine is 4.76.
2: Didn't he get kicked out of it? Didn't he get a bad rating or something like that? Because if he's not wearing a mask and yeah, that, in that was
1: otherwise. Yeah. He'd probably be like, a <laughs> oh, yeah, so he's, yeah, like, so he's
2: a great Uber rider. All yeah. right. So the, so the tweet on the screen, the nicest is, guy on earth. What, what's your He wear his mask. I think I probably 48 four, eight, if I recall in that range, four, seven, five, four, eight.
1: Okay. So for our podcast listeners that think you're the grumpy one, they would be shocked that you would have the highest of the team how do you know what mine is? I worked. What is yours? I I work service jobs. It's confidential. It's confidential. Confidential. (laughs) I see you looking at it right
2: now. Your head is Uh. down. Walter? Um, So GoGo, speaking of complaints, GoGo is getting back into the satellite business. The company is going to team with OneWeb. That's a company that's that's for our podcast listeners, is launching a Leo constellation like Starlink uh, to deliver a global Leo connection. So a bit of backdrop here. So the internet connectivity on your planes, let's say American Airlines, started out where you had you know antennas on the ground shooting up at the planes, but it was only using a very little bit of spectrum. So the, as your internet usage grew, then Gogo's service got really bad. And then ViaSat com- comes in with satellites. And you get a lot more bandwidth because it's coming from the satellites into the top of the plane. And it was great. Like people were saying, I can stream Netflix on JetBlue, which was a Viasat customer. By the way, I just took a JetBlue flight. Viasat service is absolute dog shit now. Um, Viasat, I think, just recently reported a bad quarter, probably unrelated items. But the satellite capacity gets filled up. But what's interesting is, you know, GoGo sold that business off and is just serving corporate jets. But now is coming back around and saying we're going to partner with OneWeb. So once again, so why? It's just the amount of demand for capacities out there, but it's effectively, I think, an acknowledgement that that Leo, again, Leo satellites have multiple use opportunities to create connectivity for humans, whether you're on airplanes, whether you're remote locations. Yeah. Elon talked this week about putting in RVs. I think there's going to be an opportunity like in neighborhoods like mine where when the everyone's got a generator cuz the electric utility company sucks but when the when the with something gets cut because of a storm and obviously because of global warming there's more storms your internet goes down too cuz that that Verizon fiber gets cut so like you know for people you know in nice areas to to buy a backup $30 a month connection for when your internet goes down to have it there. And obviously, Elon, if you paid for the equipment, would let you turn it on and off. So I think there's, it's just showing that there's, you know, the need for satellite connectivity, I think exists. And also, just interesting that GoGo gets out of this business by selling the corporate jet business, you know, keeps it with its, its corporate planes, but now, like, oh, we want to expand the market. So we're going back to satellites again. Fascinating kind of. I think evolution, but hopefully for you, Rich, what it means is when you're flying your private Better service. Specifically when you're flying your private jets globally. Yeah, like, yeah, because I'm doing that you, a lot. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely
3: can, flying private jets overseas you a can lot. Get, you
2: can get your, no, for for general service in general, hopefully it gets better for plane service in general. Hopefully it gets better and we don't have to rely on ViaSat Um, via set. um Lionsgate
3: expects to finalize. This is from Variety. Lionsgate expects to finalize Star's spinoff for sale by end of summer, CEO says. I feel like we've been talking about something happening with Lionsgate for months now. Um, it sounds like they're getting closer. You know, it's it's still sort of surprising to me that that you know sort of a transaction hasn't sort of materialized, given sort of the need for content, and that Stars has some you know pretty high profile shows, um, especially the power franchise. But I think the real question is, is if stars spins off, what happens next? Because I don't think stars is a standalone company, just given sort of the size of it. Uh, We've seen, you know, most of these small cap media companies sort of be eviscerated. So the question sort of is, what happens? Is, is stars going to try to consolidate? Is it going to be consolidated? Like what happens? Maybe they can't sell it because nobody wants to set the valuation and they want a public market price for it. But Star has already been a public company once. I mean, we, we, we remember that era, Brandon, uh, uh, with, with Chris and Jeff. And, mm-hmm. you know, my guess is it's not if it is being simply spun out, my guess is it's not a standalone company for long. And it's just a matter of whether they're OK, who's the buyer? Well, or do they try to put a bunch of pieces together. Like, do you try to merge a bunch of sort of the what did John Malone call them? Free um, radicals. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Because, <laughs> you know, I, I think that sort of might be the. yeah. Why wouldn't Lionsgate be part of merging the free radicals? So, What are what even are the free radicals anyway? I, I don't I mean. It see it always seemed like Viacom, I guess, was probably the most obvious uh, buyer of Stars. Um,
3: well, but- certainly, to- merging Showtime and Stars has a lot of logic, right? Like Showtime is a separate, distinct asset from Paramount Plus. It doesn't seem core to Viacom. or sorry, I should keep saying Viacom. It doesn't seem core sorry, to Paramount. Paramount. I know I fucked that up every single time, but it doesn't seem core to Paramount. So merging Showtime and Stars and creating sort of a more powerful, uh, essentially pay TV channel, streaming service, would seem to make a lot of sense. Maybe that's what ultimately happens, but it certainly seems to me to make that would be a logical route to sort of go over time. But we'll see, you know, they're saying end of summer. We'll see whether it actually gets done. Uh, I feel like we've thought something was going to happen for a while there. Um, It also sounds like sort of a sale of the whole company is increasingly less likely based on the way this sort of sounds.
2: The last one, Walt, um, I can't read all of this, so I'm going to turn it over to you. I don't even know. This was, you know, we try and end on a light note or something interesting. There's not a lot of investment significance to this per se, um, but it's kind of scary. Larry Press is a real dude. um, And he's in this tweet says this illustration shows two Chinese satellites attacking six SpaceX satellites. The Ukraine war is showing the world what LEO satellites and drone can do in a war. So what, what, obviously the Ukraine war, you know, connectivity for people, Elon sent a bunch of Starlink satellites so people could get on the internet. There's questions about whether that enables drones to zero in on someone's location to blow their, their satellite dishes up that's at their home. But what this is talking about People were picking up on, I guess, Chinese news sites blowing up the set the Leos in the air, like so space wars to kill the connectivity down to people. So that has a lot of like crazy implications because the debris itself could wipe out all of these Leos.
1: I am I'm fascinated.
3: Well, it's crazy <laughs> to me. The, the the image though reminded me a lot, and it showed like all of the satellites attacking the other satellites. It reminded me of watching war games, which sort of you know, just the way, remember all those like pictures. Again, and
2: like if you're, if you're, let's say you're Russia or China and we're trying to help communicate with the, the people of these countries that are being oppressed by their leaders in terms of information. Taking so out communications is huge. Sure, sure. But it has a global impact in terms of our airspace because then it creates debris and other Leos that are up there for a variety of reasons potentially get impacted. Crazy stuff, right? Sorry. Sorry Completely. to end on a not light note, but. Well, great song choice by the way brandon this is like the perfect memorial this is a great song choice for like hanging out by the pool having a cup of brews yeah whatever else and
1: i think it also kind of ties to yeah ties to uh some of the themes that we were talking about earlier um and yeah i don't really know what else to say How about just um, have a great weekend? And that's how about go to Liverpool?
2: Three o'clock tomorrow always ends
3: in Liverpool. Go watch Stranger Things, go watch Obi Wan Kenobi, go watch Top
2: Gun Maverick. It's effectively the Super Bowl.
1: Go see Goose at the Westville (laughs) Bowl in New Haven, Connecticut. Yeah, that's (laughs) exactly. And next, and next, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Goose
3: died in the first
1: one, Brandon. Oh, very good. By the way, they do cover, um, uh, da- highway to the Danger Zone. So maybe they, maybe
2: I'll get to hear them play that this weekend. I think it's going to um, be All Dead by the Pool this weekend. That scene just inspired me. I'm going to cue that list up. But no fish. No, but yeah, I
1: mean, The Dead is come at kind of the perfect s- it's, it's, it's it's summer great, music. It's great barbecue music. Um, and yeah, we will miss you, Jackson. We miss Jay every day, even though we only kind of You know, it's an appropriate time now to honor um, my brother and um, be good to each other. Have a good weekend. Later, everyone.